the video of the murder was actually leaked by a lawyer who had consulted with the McMichaels. Welcome to the Better Call Clay podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. Today we're going to be talking about Ahmad Arbery, the young man who was killed while he was jogging in Georgia. We'll be talking the timeline of the case, significant legal events in the case, and the general how and whys for the case and how it has ended up where it is. Uh, we're also going to be discussing where we think the case might go. Uh, to, today with me is Garrett. Uh, he's moderating for me, and uh, we'll just jump right into the general timeline of the case and uh, what is what's happened with it so far and, and where we're at. Um, so if you haven't seen the news or you haven't been paying attention, Ahmad Arbery is a, a young black man in Brunswick, Georgia, actually a little suburb just south of town, uh, 25 years old. He's known in the area as a person who regularly jogs. This is according to his family, at least. And he, uh, he was killed back on February 23rd as he was jogging through what is his home neighborhood. The, um, the two people responsible for his killing are Travis and Gregory McMichael. Um, they are two gentlemen who also live in the neighbor, same neighborhood or close thereby. Uh, one of them is a retired police officer and investigator for the local DA's office. The other person, Travis McMichael, is Gregory's son. Um, so what happens is we've got, uh, we've got these 911 calls that come in on that day where uh, different individuals are reporting burglaries in the area. Now, later on, uh, Gregory McMichael, the father, uh, after the shooting, he's going to tell police that uh, he recognized uh, Mr. Arbery from uh, some surveillance video from recent burglaries in the area. Now, that's going to kind of conflict with the official police record, though, because there's only what they can, from what they can tell, there's only one burglary in the area during that time. Uh, now, Jumping forward, significant development just in the last day or so, uh, yesterday or maybe even early earlier today, there has been a video now released of Mr. Arbery in a construction or a house under construction in the area. Now, I don't know if that, that has any bearing on the case, but that's come out here just recently. We'll get to that more in a little bit. But going back to February 23rd, we've got Travis and Gregory McMichael, who... Uh, basically load up firearms, dump in the truck, and are chasing Mr. Arbery. Now, their story is they're chasing him because he's possibly a suspect in a burglary, or they suspect him of having committed a burglary that day. I'm not really sure. It, it doesn't appear that he has anything in his hands that would indicate he's burglarized a house. It also doesn't appear that he's in a, I guess, a, a place or a setup to even be burglarizing houses. It looks like he's wearing a... a T-shirts, shorts, and some running shoes. Uh, he's certainly not wearing dark clothing. Uh, this isn't at, at night. This is in the middle of broad daylight. So I, I don't really, to me, the evidence just isn't there that he is somehow involved in some burglaries at that particular moment. Uh, he also doesn't appear to have much of any criminal history at all. So I don't know where all of this uh, talk of him being a suspect in a burglary is coming from, except that this is the story that the McMichaels tell to police investigators. Now, the, I guess the wrinkle here is, is that they, uh, like I said, Gregory McMichael was a police officer with the local town. Uh, he had worked for the DA's office as an investigator for a number of years. 
And so the local police community and the local prosecutor's office are very much connected to him. He, they are they are essentially friends. And so uh, there's a lot of suspicion. There's a lot of, uh, I think, good reason to believe that the investigation here from the outset was influenced heavily by their relationship with Mr. McMichael. And so what you see happen is, is that this, this killing happens uh, February 23rd. And you don't really see much of anything happen, I guess, in a, in a national spotlight or much of anything significantly happen um, until a, a few days after that. What you find is on February 27th, um, the Brunswick District Attorney's Office uh, basically says, hey, we are uh, we're too closely connected to this thing. Uh, Jackie Johnson is the district attorney's name. Uh, there at the Brunswick County District Attorney's Office, she decides to recuse herself because, r- probably rightly, rightfully so. So why don't why don't you tell us what that means? Well, in the law, judges, prosecutors, different people um, involved in the judicial system, if if you have a close personal connection to a litigant or a party in the case, the right thing to do is to recuse yourself and get get out of the situation so that the 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 decisions made aren't influenced by that relationship so much. So she decides to recuse herself. Again, I think the right decision there. And the case gets referred over to what I basically understand to be a neighboring district attorney. So another office close by in another county, and they have a then they have a new prosecutor who's now going to look at the case. Um, now that... Um, that doesn't happen right away. She just recuses herself. And I guess there's some delay in how quickly a new prosecutor takes up the case and how quickly things get going. Um, but what, what do you think that this happened back in February? Why is this just now making the huge public spotlight? So I don't know if it was, um, well, I, I think there's two things going on here. One, um, there is this, uh, there's this belief, and, I, and I'm not going to say it's uh, without merit. There's this belief that the justice system has within it systemic um, uh, racism and systemic discrimination. And so I think uh, what you're going to find out here is it's, it's a mixture of that systemic uh, racism and discrimination mixed with basically the national media's focus being on something else entirely, which was the coronavirus. And so between those two things, this this, uh, this murder, this killing, doesn't really get any traction with the national media. As a matter of fact, it's not even, it's not even until April 1st that a local newspaper in the area even publishes details of the police investigation and the murder. So it, even in the local area around Brunswick, uh, Georgia, you're not seeing any news articles. There's no news coverage of this thing until April 1st, which is a significant delay. It's right after that then, uh, again, early April, when a uh, the second prosecutor involved, and that was a George Barnhill. He's from a neighboring uh, neighboring county, neighboring area. Waycross is, I think, the name of the jurisdiction he's in. Uh, he reviews the case and actually finds that there's uh, no reason to charge the two individuals that are that are accused here. There's there's no he finds no reason to charge uh, Gregory or Travis McMichael uh, with. Uh, Ahmad Arbery's murder. And so uh, that sort of, if you will, puts the damper on the case at that particular time. Now, the the family uh, of Mr. Arbery doesn't 
they're not taking that as an answer. They're not just going to lay down and let that, let that decision go. Uh, they hire lawyers, they start ramping up efforts to uncover the truth, if you will. And so their persistence and their, uh, their willingness to get the national media involved is, is what sort of breaks this thing open. And so we start to see some of that happen uh, in uh, mid-April. There's a third prosecutor that's put on the case. Now this time, instead of being a local, um, I guess, neighboring county prosecutor, we get kind of kicked up a notch to what is a circuit, uh, I guess, circuit prosecutor. The, the, the way Georgia's set up is they have different uh, judicial circuits. And so we end up with the Atlantic Judicial Circuit uh, District Attorney, a, a guy named uh, Tom Durden. Uh, he takes up the case. Now, one of the things that's significant at this point for me as a, as a lawyer I'm looking at is they, they could have... I guess at any point along the way, they could have made an arrest. Um, they could have arrested these two gentlemen, these two men for, for murder, um, but they, they didn't yet. Um, and what we hear from uh, Tom Durden, the prosecutor for the Atlanta Judicial District, uh, is that he's going to present these cases, this case, to a grand jury. Now, for a lot of people listening, that sounds like, oh, okay, we're going to get some justice. You know, something's going to happen with the case. But for me, I, I hear that and I think, well, hmm, that's... Uh, that's a little discouraging because that to me sounds more like this case isn't likely going to go anywhere. Um, for those of you who aren't part of the legal system, uh, what a grand jury is, is in most jurisdictions in the, in the United States, it's actually in the U S constitution that you you have a right to have a grand jury determine whether or not you should be charged with a crime. That's kind of a holdover from our days as a colony where, uh, you know, the king could come in and, and determine that you had committed a, a felony and they could jail you um, just basically on a, a king's warrant, if you will. And you stayed in jail and you waited until your trial without uh, really the citizens of the community getting to weigh in on whether whether you had committed a crime or not. So one of the constitutional protections we have, particularly with felony crimes, and that's crimes that are you know more serious than misdemeanors, is that we've got the right to have a grand jury hear the evidence in the case and decide whether or not we should be charged and whether we should be held or, or bound over for trial. And so that's what a grand jury does. One of the other things a grand jury can do though is they can look at a case and decide that nothing has happened in a criminal manner or nothing, nothing criminal has happened and they can decide that they don't wanna take any action and therefore charges aren't gonna be filed. And so for me, when I hear Tom Durden, this Atlantic Judicial District prosecutor talking about taking the case to the grand jury, I say to myself, well, that, that, that would be a real convenient way to get rid of this case and have it go nowhere by saying simply, hey, the grand jury decided not to indict these men for murder, so there's no crime here. Um, so it was, it was interesting to me that he was talking that way because it tended to suggest that they weren't going to be arrested on a, on a warrant and then had their cases presented to a grand jury. Their case was just going to go straight to the grand jury and that grand jury may or may not indict them. And so, um, so, so where are we at with the case right now? And what do you think will happen from here? So, um, all that stuff is sort of mulling around, right? All that, all that talk about the grand jury is happening. And then all of a sudden we have this, uh, real odd development, if you will, which is, um, on May 5th, we get this video that emerges 
It's been leaked by somebody. Nobody knows who at first. And it's literally the video taken by a, 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 a witness or a bystander uh, of the actual murder itself. And so we suddenly have, at the beginning of May, have this video released showing, showing this killing. And from that point, uh, the video is very graphic. I, I'm sure you've seen it. Many of you have seen it online. Uh, it's circulated everywhere. Uh, it looks very much like somebody being murdered on the side of the road. And so you have so a... So for people who haven't seen it, can you just kind of describe what you see in the video? So what you've got is uh, the video is taken by a third person who's trailing the event, I guess, just behind the event. Uh, they're, the person's clearly driving and videoing at the same time. So it's a shaky video, but... It's a video of Mr. Arbery running down what looks like the middle of the road. And he is approaching a pickup truck with two gentlemen. Uh, one looks like getting out of the cab or passenger compartment of the truck. The other standing in the bed of the truck. And you see Mr. Arbery kind of takes an evasive action and try to go around the truck. And that's when you notice that it appears both men in the, in, in the truck are armed. Uh, one with a long gun. The other looking like they're holding a pistol. And as Mr. Arbery comes around the right side of the truck and gets to the front of the truck, there's a struggle between him and one of the, and the individual on the ground uh, who's holding the long gun. And it's at that point that you hear uh, two shots fired. Uh, I, I think the evidence is showing that it's two shots coming from the shotgun. And those tend to be the fatal shots. That's, those are the shots that kill Mr. Arbery. And so you see Mr. Arbery uh, shot, not in graphic detail, but it, it appears as the video unfolds that he is wounded, uh, he begins to stumble and he falls face down on the, on the pavement. And I, that's, I think basically where we see him die. Um, and so that's what the video shows. Uh, and it just seems like there's just no real good reason for why this happens. Um, I think the McMichaels that tell police at some point in the investigation, uh, they were attempting to make a citizen's arrest, that they were just simply trying to detain him and that a struggle ensued over the weapon and that they had to kill him in self-defense. Now, for me, I, I don't think that flies. I don't think you get to, I don't think you get to use a firearm during a citizen's arrest and then expect the person that you're trying to take into custody is not going to fight back. I mean, Mr. Arbery doesn't know who these people are, or why they're trying to, uh, you know, uh, round him up. And so I think it's his right to kind of, Hey, this guy's got a gun. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to try to not let him kill me. Um, and so it's, it's an interesting thing, but they, they're claiming self-defense, uh, whereas it looks like he's just murdered in the street. Now, uh, that was on May 5th. Uh, at that point, the, the case gets national media attention. Everybody's outraged. The governor of Georgia's involved. Uh, we see the Georgia Bureau of Investigations get involved. Everybody's weighing in on it from the White House on down. And uh, what we see happen is the state-level police, the Georgia, Georgia Bureau of Investigations, Georgia Bureau of Investigations takes over, and um, they end up issuing warrants for Travis and Gregory McMichael's arrest. They're arrested for murder, jailed, uh, and now we are seeing the case go forward. Now, like I said, there was an interesting development that happened uh, just in the last day or so yesterday evening this morning there's been another video released um showing what appears to be mr arbery um in a home that's under construction now it doesn't appear to show him taking anything it doesn't appear to show him doing anything other than looking around the home now 
I don't know whether that's illegal. I, I don't know, you know, if, if we're talking criminal trespassing here, but we're we're not certainly talking burglary or, or theft or anything like that. And so um, I don't know what impact that'll have on the case. I suspect it could be something that might hang up the case and its progression a little bit. It's definitely going to cause um, some question. Uh, the, the, the two men, Travis and Gregory McMichael, will point to this as proof that what they were trying to do was affect a citizen's arrest. Um, I, I, for me, it doesn't necessarily indicate that, uh, you know, that Mr. Arbery's committed any crime, certainly not one that he should be arrested for, and, and definitely not one that merits being killed in the middle of the street. Um, I mean, I can say that my wife and I, we have been guilty of, you know, as we're walking through our neighborhood, a new house under construction, you know, you know, just kind of, I guess, if you will, snooping around to see what the floor plan of that house is going to be or you know, how are they going to do the fireplace in that house versus how it was done in mine? So, um, you know, if, again, this is that systemic racism, if you will. If it's, if it's a white person looking around a construction site in a predominantly white neighborhood, um, is anybody going to be calling the police? Or are we going to have a hot pursuit or a citizen's arrest? Uh, I think probably the answer is no. Uh, so that's, to me, one of the most significant things here. Uh, how the case goes forward, well... Um, if they are indicted, and, and I don't know that that's actually been done yet, I think one of the issues we're having right now is that with the social distancing measures put in place and all the different rules put in place, what we're seeing is, is that they are not able to even convene a grand jury, which is a group of 12 people, typically. And so you're not able to even gather this group of 12 people to look at this case and decide whether or not it should be indicted. Uh, I don't know how long that delay will keep going. Uh, and once that happens, then um, they will make a decision one way or the other whether these two gentlemen should be charged. Uh, if they are indicted and charged with murder, then we see a long process leading up to a trial. And I would expect a very contentious trial over um, Georgia's self-defense or Castle Doctrine laws. Uh, I think you would also see some elements of citizens' arrest involved. Uh, I think there's going to be some focus on this new video showing Mr. Arbery uh, or what looks like Mr. Arbery potentially in this uh, home under construction, how that plays into it. And it'll ultimately, ultimately be up to a jury uh, of 12 people to decide in each of the cases, Travis and Gregory McMichael's case, um, whether they are guilty of murder. So just off the evidence that has been brought forth so far, what do you What's your gut feeling on on the case? Well, I think they, I think, uh, I think they should have been charged with murder earlier in the case. I don't think you needed a grand jury to tell you that. I think any one of these prosecutors could have uh, had the police request a, uh, an arrest warrant for murder uh, from a local judge. That's something that happens every day in in courts across the nation. So I think that should have happened. Do you uh, think that didn't happen just because of who he was in the community? Uh, the the uh, Mr. McMichael, yeah, I think I think local law enforcement just kind of showed up and and said, well, this is old Gregory, you know, he used to work for us, and uh, this is his son Travis, and they're good people, and uh, you know, if they say this was a citizen's arrest and self defense, then we'll just kind of you know slap each other on the back and go home and eat dinner. Uh, we won't worry about this a whole lot, but. Uh, you know, one odd development that's come out of this, and I'm, I'm still kind of scratching my head over this issue is, 
And for those people at home listening, this isn't really all that significant, but as a lawyer, it's significant because the video of the murder was actually leaked by a lawyer who had consulted with the McMichaels on the case. They had gone to this lawyer for advice. They had gone to this lawyer regarding whether they were going to be charged. They had um, sought out his advice and somehow or another, he came to be in possession of this video and it was him that leaked it, which to me brings ethical considerations up. It, it, to me, it, it's uh, an issue with whether he violated uh, their attorney-client privilege or whether he uh, potentially violated some confidentiality privilege. Um, whether he leaked it with their permission, I don't know. Um, it, to me, it's, it's always odd, a little concerning when a lawyer, a litigant in the case or a potential litigant or you know, party to the case is leaking evidence to the media. Uh, it also makes me wonder whether this video was in the possession of police or not. Uh, it tends to suggest to me that possibly the McMichaels had this video and it wasn't turned over to law enforcement and it was given instead to their lawyer. Now the lawyer says he only released it to dispel rumors that this was somehow uh, some sort of racist lynching. Uh, he says he wanted to dispel rumors that two, two white guys in a truck with a Confederate flag had driven down the road chasing Mr. Arbery and had murdered him just because he was black. Now, um, I, I don't know, you know, I, like I said, they don't, doesn't appear they have a Confederate flag in their truck, but it certainly does look like two white men chasing a black man down the road and murdering him. Um, so I don't know what he thought he was going to accomplish or how he thought that was going to work, but, uh, whatever his intention was, he, it, I think it, it didn't go the way he thought it was going to go. I think he wanted to show some transparency and that these guys had done nothing wrong, but instead I think what he's done is put out there the key piece of evidence that, that might be the thing that got them arrested, charged, and will ultimately get them, uh, indicted and possibly even convicted of murder. Um, so we've, we've also seen from this case a bunch of um, support towards the family on social media, people doing runs of the exact distance that he was from his house and things like that. Um, how does that play into a case like this? Well, I think it'll put a lot of pressure on the, um, the prosecutor's office, the uh, law enforcement authorities to do... Uh, make sure they're doing the right thing, but also it, it, it could potentially put pressure on them to go forward with the case and just decide we're not, we're not going to make any decisions about this case ourselves. We're going to let juries settle this. We're going to let a grand jury decide this. And if the grand jury says they're, they're charged with murder and that they're to be indicted, then once they're indicted, I don't, I don't think, I wouldn't imagine the DA's office is going to be dismissing this case. I would foresee it going all the way to trial. And I think that's going to be, uh, partly because there is all this pressure from the family, from social media support, from, from just America in general, uh, just the outrage of the case will, in a way, hold the, hold the prosecutor's feet to the fire and make sure that uh, these guys ultimately get their day in court and, and Ahmad Arbery gets justice. Um, you know, you can't all, always guarantee that that's what's going to happen. At the end of the day, it'll come down to the 12 people that are picked to um, serve as the jury in this case and decide, decide the fate of these two gentlemen that were, that have been charged. So now that we've run the case down for you, uh, gone through all the evidence as we know it currently, uh, talked about sort of the, uh, political and social media aspects of the case. 
uh, we want to hear from you. Tell us what you think. Uh, tell us what you think should happen with the case. Tell us what you think uh, about how the case has progressed so far. Uh, we'll give you an opportunity to let us know how you feel uh, down in the comments section. Give us your opinion. Uh, give us your predictions and uh, tell, us, tell us what you think about the case in general. Awesome. We want to thank you again for listening to our episode today. Uh, if you find yourself in trouble one day, you'd better call Clay.